And we are going to be in Ephesians chapter 4 today. If you've got your Bibles or phones, you can go ahead and open up to there. And we go ahead and give you a little warning. Today's sermon is a little different than what I normally do. Typically, I, you know, we take a passage, look at it, and see how God's going to teach us from that one passage. But as, I've, uh, as we've been going kind of series to series, I wanted to take a moment, kind of take a breath and in between some series and other things that are going on, and talk a little bit about our church and what we are and what we're about. Uh, when we moved into this facility last October, uh, a lot of you, most of you that were sitting in this room, have never been to our church before. You've been coming since October, and some of the, we have a group of people that have been with us for two and a half years since we first started in our living room uh, way back. And so I wanted to talk a little bit, kind of get us all on the same page and say, if we're going to say, you know, hey, I'm coming to New City Church, I'm a part of this church, what does that mean? What, what does that mean? Intel. And so we're going to kind of look at that today. And one of the things I love about our church is this. I love the diversity of our church. Uh, when you look around, we've got people of all ages that come to our church. We've got young newborn kids to grandparents and everybody in between. We've got an incredible ethnic diversity that comes to our church. We've got a, an incredible spiritual diversity. People that come from, you know, they've grown up in church to some, maybe this is their very first church experience. And so I want to try to today and, and have this teaching to get us all on the same page. I remember growing up, I played Little League Baseball. I don't know if you do, if you ever did that, but it, it was like intense where I grew up. Like it was, you know, very competitive. And we even had, like, you think this is just, like, we had trade deadlines for Little League. Like you could trade these kids. I mean, you're like, you know, I, I don't, sometimes that made you feel good. Like I was traded to a better team. And like, then you're like, well, was I like the bad kid who they didn't want anymore and all this stuff? But I remember one time getting traded in Little League from one team to another. And the first thing that I had to do is I had to learn the new signals that the coaches gave, like from the, the third base coach. They had all these signals about when to steal or bunt or hit and all that stuff. And I had to get on their terminology and their understanding to know how to play in their, on their team and in their game. And that's kind of what I want to do today is to help us understand some of this terminology and understanding. And the best place to go for that, of course, is Scripture. Because church, what we do as a church, it's not just an idea that I came up with. It's not an idea that we sit here and say, what do we want to do? It's really God established the church. Jesus established the church while He was here on earth. And we're just a continuation of the work of Christ. When you boil down what the church is designed to do is to continue the work of Christ here on this earth, to be the body of of Christ, the actual hands and feet of Christ, the continual presence of Christ. And so, uh, but what can be a little confusing when you go through the Bible, you can find all these different pictures of how the church ought to operate. I mean, sometimes they say, oh, you should have deacons, or maybe they use the word elders. Sometimes it says everybody's equal. Other times it tells women to don't speak at all in the church. I mean, there's all these kind of pieces that if you looked at them as an as individual, it would be confusing. And so what I want us to boil down to is, is what I believe when you take a study in the New Testament of the church, what you get is this. You don't get a list of practices. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Instead, you get a set of principles to live by and to determine how we are going to operate as a church. And so that's what I want to do today is kind of give us some core principles and understandings that will help us all be on the same page. And so I want to start by just laying out a couple of things, which is first kind of a, 
what is our, what's our purpose and goal? Why, why are we here? And I, I want to start with our ministry purpose, and it's this. It's to find places that the gospel is absent and go and interject ourselves there. That's kind of our goal. If that's what the hands and feet of Christ is, if that's what the body of... That's what Jesus did. I mean, he, almost every story you see about Jesus, He's going to places that have not heard about Him, and He's going and sharing. He's going places that the gospel was not, and He's going and interjecting Himself there. Now, let me tell you two challenges to that and two temptations we have as a church and as individuals. The first one is, is to isolate ourselves. Like, okay, I'm, I'm a Christian now. I need to run and find a nice hiding place from the world. Like, let me just go and retreat, and I will hang out in this spot. I don't want to be influenced by the world. I don't want to be... There's bad things out there, and we get fearful, and we isolate ourselves. That's one temptation. Another temptation... It's to begin to imitate the world. Like, oh, you know, I'm a Christian, but I don't want to be too different. So I'm just going to imitate the world. I'm going to start acting like that. I'll be as close to a non-Christian as I can be without still kind of a little bit. And, and here's what happens when we do either one of those two things. We lose influence, right? If you isolate yourself from the world, how are you going to influence people in the world? If you try to imitate the world... Why would they look at you for any kind of truth or understanding if you're just like they are? And so we don't want to isolate or imitate the world. Instead, we want to find ways to be in the world by interacting, influence, and impacting the world. So finding ways to be in the world and influencing, impacting, and interacting with the world. This past week, most of you know uh, Jamal Hodge, who's been coming to our church uh, now for a few months. And uh, the days that we do our testimonies, Jamal brings in the video crew to record our testimonies. Uh, about uh, two years ago, I helped Jamal produce a, a short film uh, that eventually, we found out just a few months ago, got accepted into the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, and we were invited, him as the director and me as the producer, like, I'm a movie producer, right? You know, uh, to attend the Cannes Film Festival. And so that's where I was this past week. So I want to say, you talk about a place where the gospel is not, that's a place that the gospel is not. Like, I mean, the, the opulence, the incredible vanity, that's, I mean, it was I, it's almost indescribable. Uh, there were There were... There's two goals that people say when you go to Cannes that you got to do. One is to walk the red carpet, which I was able to do on Thursday night, which was a surreal experience. The paparazzi were taking my pictures. I'm like, you're just going to throw those in the trash because <laughs> they're like, who was that guy? You know. Uh, but then the other one is to get on a yacht party. Like that's the goal. Like you want to get on a, a go on one of these. The biggest yacht I saw there was a 1.5 billion dollar yacht by the uh, the guy who owns the Chelsea Football Club. In, uh, in England, and uh, I did not get on that yacht. But uh, I met a guy on the way over on the plane, and we had we kind of had this agreement: if you get invited to a yacht party, call me, I'll call you. And so he calls me one night, and he's like, he's from England, and he's like, you know, gents, where are you at? He's I love his English accent, and so we, he's like, I'm getting off of a boat party, and we're like, what? Why didn't you call us? And he's like, when we met up with, he's like, you didn't. It was not a it was not a yacht party. It was a Russian barge party. I mean, it was literally this, he said it was this big open barge that they get on, and he said the crazy thing was, 
The, it was just horrible. He didn't even stay on it. He's like, I get on there, and there are these Russian men walking around with caviar on their knuckles for you to eat the caviar. It was, like, it was the grossest thing he ever saw. I mean, it was like, and I just, we kept having these stories that I'm like, man, this is a place that the gospel is not present. But I had another amazing encounter. We were sitting out uh, in, a, in one of the little pavilion areas, and this guy walks up to Jamal and I, and he says, hey guys, how are you? And we just start a conversation. And, uh, which was not odd, but it was kind of, it was really kind of odd from the beginning, this guy that didn't know us, but sat down like he knew us, and we just got to talking, and I could tell through his conversation that he was like, the movie that he was there for was kind of a, the way he kept saying it was a spiritual movie. And uh, he kind of, you know, it's kind of like heaven, but it's not, and I could tell he was like trying not to be too spiritual at, at this festival. And he finally said something like, I'm a religious, and I said, you know, his name was Steve. I said, Steve, it's, it's okay, I'm a pastor. And he like, you could just see his eyes like, Really? Like, it was like, all of a sudden, this, like, just this incredible connection and conversation began to happen. And, and just to make a long story short with that, this was a man at that point in his life that needed a pastor. And uh, we spent the next two or three days just connecting our lives together. It's, it's uh, kind of have a new friend with that. And he said, we asked him one day afterwards, we said, why, why did you stop and talk to us? And he says, it's going to sound weird, but he says, I think you'll understand. He said, as I was walking by, he said, I just saw Jesus on your face. And I stopped, and I needed to talk. And that's exactly, I would know, I was thinking about this, and that's exactly what this means, is that we want to go places where Jesus isn't present and be Jesus there. That's what the church is. So that's kind of our ministry purpose, but our, our goal is this, is that as we can gather, I said this earlier, we want to be a place where people can connect with God and with each other. We don't want to just be a place... It's my prayer every Sunday that people don't leave here going, oh, that was a good sermon or that was good music. I hope you enjoy our teaching and our music, but I hope you leave here going, I connected with God and I connected with other people. That's what the church is. It says that it's one body. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we are one body in Christ, that we connect. The best way I think about it is joining arms together. If you ever grew up with that little uh, barrel of monkeys game where you hook the, the monkeys onto each other, Anybody else do that as a cookie thing? I'm not the only weird. But it's like, it's that you just make this chain. And we're all connected together. If you hurt, I hurt. If you rejoice, I rejoice. If you have something to celebrate or something that's challenging in your life, we come and we're, we're in this together. That's what the church does. It's not just a meeting place. It's not just a place to gather and, and to hear somebody teach. It is instead a place that we lock arms together. And, and here's what happens. Here's what keeps us from doing this, mistakes we make. We create barriers to God that God never intended. Right? And that's called legalism. Like, if you've got to get to God, you've got to do this, 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 and this. Here's the five things you've got to do if you want to have a relationship with God. And God said, no. Here's what God actually did. He came and took those barriers out. He knocked those barriers down and made a way for man to have a pathway to God. And instead, what we do is sometimes we erect these human man-made barriers to keep people away. And we don't want, as a church, we don't want to do that. We want to make the pathway to God as clear and as simple as possible. We don't want to confuse it any more than how God intended it to be. But the other thing we do is we create barriers in relationships. And that's by trying to sometimes create these facades 
They're like, everything's okay in my life. You know, I come up, you know, how was your week? Oh, it was fine. It was fine. It was good. You know, just the general terms instead of like, this was the worst week of my life. This was, oh, I got so much to celebrate this week. And the term that I want us to capture as a church is this, is that we want to be authentic with one another. We want to be real with each other. We want to be completely honest. I grew up in a church, and before I moved to New York, I was part of a church where that, that wasn't really the norm. I, I, I would say, if you've ever been in a church in the South, that's usually not the norm. You come to church, and you put on your best, and the smile, my week was great, good, hope yours was too, yes. And uh, We were part of a small group that met on Sunday morning, and we had a couple that had been coming to that group for about two or three months. And uh, they, uh, they were not from the South, they were not... They'd never been to church before. And they took us at our word that we wanted to have authentic relationships with one another. And so uh, Vince, this is Vince and Melanie, like Vince showed up to Sunday morning to, uh, to our small group on Sunday, and Melanie wasn't with him, with him. And we were like, hey, Vince, you know, where's Melanie? He's like, oh, it's been a rough week. And we're like, oh, you know what, you know, something bad. He's like, yeah, she, you know, this morning I woke up and, she took, you know, about 20 pills and tried to commit suicide, and I just got back from the hospital. And we were like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it was like all of a sudden the realism that came into that group was, like, overwhelming. Like, none of us had ever felt the freedom to share something like that before. And they had only been there two months, but he took us at our word that we said we want to have authentic relationships, and so he shared his worst. And, and we were able to come around. And that one moment of authenticity changed that group forever. All of a sudden, we knew we could trust one another. We could, we could pray for one another at the deepest, darkest moments. And, uh, and that's what I pray for our church, is that we take down the barriers of people getting to God and the barriers of having authentic relationships with one another. And so that's kind of our purpose and our goal. So how do, how do we do this? How does this actually play out? You know, th- those are great things. Like, hey, we want to interject ourselves, be the gospel where places the gospel is not. Go be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to connect people with God and connect people with each other, have these authentic relationships, remove the barriers to God. So how did that actually play out? So I want to give you four principles that I want us to embrace as a church. These are words you're going to hear me use a lot. You've probably already heard me use them. These are your words I want you to kind of embrace and think about as well. And so what are they, what do we want to be about as the church? And the first word is this. I want to be a place where people feel free to ask questions. Where people can ask. Where no, nothing's off limits. We, we want to be a place where people feel free to ask anything they want. Too often churches act like you need to know the answers before you show up. And like, oh, I, I don't know enough about God. I would not feel welcome there. I want people who don't know anything about God to feel welcome here. I want people that have questions that they may not even believe God exists. I want them to feel the freedom to ask questions here. The majority of the interactions that we see Jesus had in the Bible are Him answering questions. It's people asking, what do you believe about it? What is this? How did this happen? How do you do this? And He answered questions. We need to be a church where people feel the freedom to ask questions. This is designed... For those that are interested in more information about our understanding of God, of Christ, of sin, and salvation, I want people to ask those questions. I don't want people to feel like they have to have the answer before they come. 
And as you interact with people, as people that are connected with our church, I want you to feel the freedom and embrace the opportunity to allow people to ask you questions. You know, I can ask questions all the time. Can I tell you this? Can I just take some pressure off? A lot of them I don't know the right answer to. A lot of them I have to go and think about. And just because somebody asks me a question, we begin to we I view a question as this, an invitation to a conversation. That's what a question is. I don't in that moment have to convince them and change their thought and get us to a point of agreement. It's an invitation to a conversation. That's what asking is. And I, and I want us to hear that. I want this to be a place that people can ask the tough questions of life. The ones that come from the most difficult moments. I want this to be a place where people can express disbelief and doubt and not be judged by that. That it's okay to come with questions. And we need to do this, as I mentioned, corporately and personally. So we want to be able to ask. And we want people to ask. I, I, could, I could immediately call on people that are sitting in this room that that's how they first connected with our church. Because it was a place to ask questions. They didn't come fully understanding Christ, fully understanding even what a church is. But the ability to ask is what drew them Church, and I want to tell you this, as a follower of Christ, if you're sitting here as a follower of Christ, the ability, if people view you and they say, that's a person I can ask a question to, people will be drawn to you. Second thing is this, I want our church to be a place that people join. And when I say join, I'm not talking about formal membership. That's a part of what we do, and that's a part of our process of moving people deeper into commitment level. But when I say join, I'm not talking about filling out a piece of paper and signing you know, our membership covenant. What I'm talking about is that you actually do life with the people that are in this room. That I'll say this, some of my deepest friendships are sitting in this room. People that I didn't know four years ago are now my closest friends because we've joined our lives together. And the way I talk about it, it's not just where I talked about the monkeys before, like hooking arm in arm. This is instead not just hooking together. This is interweaving our lives together. It's, it's so connecting our lives that they're almost inseparable. Is that this is a place that you can come and find true friendship and true connection. You know, I don't want this place where somebody doesn't feel known or like they don't belong. My heart would break, and it does sometimes, if, if somebody comes on a Sunday and they leave and would say, nobody noticed that I was there. Nobody reached out to me. Nobody even recognized that I was in that place. That would break my heart. And we do a phenomenal job, I think, of reaching out and connecting with people. But then there's that deeper step, right, of then saying, I want to get to know you more. I want to... I want to connect our lives. It's not just at a level of like, hey, I saw you last Sunday. Good to have you back here this Sunday. It's beginning to have conversations about what is going on. Beginning to invest in each other. And that's the word I think join most connects is that we begin to invest our lives in the lives of other people. And what is it that you have to invest? I think all of us have one thing that is the thing we're most tangibly invest in others, and that's Time. Time. You and I, as we spend time and we're pursuing authentic relationships with other people, we will begin to interweave our lives together. And it takes two things for an investment to happen. It takes somebody who's willing to give, but you know what else it takes? Somebody who's willing to receive. And we need to be people that are willing to receive. Maybe some of us are 
not as open to new relationships, or we've been hurt as we've opened up before. And that's real pain, and it's real. I'm not trying to diminish the pain that goes along with that. But the way that we grow and a way that we really experience what church is, is when we allow our lives to get interwoven together. So joining us for those that are interested in connecting their lives through regular events and activities to build community. We want to be a community here, a community of Christ in this neighborhood and in this city. So we want to be a place that people can ask, people place can join, but we also want to be a place where people serve. And so the third word that we, I want us as a church to focus on is serve. And so this is a place where people can use their gifts, talents, passions to build up the body of Christ and impact the needs of the world. Scripture is clear that the followers of Christ, we should use our gifts in two ways. One, inside the church and outside the church. So we need to, as a church body, you know, help one another. Invest in one another, but it's also a chance to serve those in need outside of our church. One of the quickest ways to feel part of a team is not just to join a team, but actually get on the playing field, right? When I, I played baseball in high school. I was okay until they started throwing curveballs, and then I couldn't hit a curveball. Like I would, I'd get lucky sometimes and just swing, and it happened to curve into my bat, right? But once they started throwing curveballs and balls that go on over 80 miles an hour, I couldn't hit them. And so what do you do after you graduate high school and you used to play baseball and you can't play anymore? You play softball, right? Because it's just being lobbed at you. And if you can't hit a softball and you play, but you're, um, if you can't hit a softball, I'm not going to make fun of you. But anyway, it's, uh, but uh, you ought to be able to do that. And I remember I joined a team when I was in college and I thought I was a great baseball player. And so I joined this team and just joining the team, I didn't get to play right away. Like they had a, there was a close knit team and they were all very good. And as I was watching that, I, I sat on the bench. And I never felt part of the team until when I finally got put in the game. Finally got to go to bat. Finally got to go play in the field. And all of a sudden, I felt just as much a part of the team as anybody else who had been there as long as I had. I had these shared experiences with them. And that's what serving in the church does. All of a sudden, we go from sitting on the bench to being in the game. So serving on a team like hospitality or worship or set up or or in our children's area, you know, it's not just a task. We don't ask people to serve to accomplish a task. We ask people to serve because that's how you feel part of the team. That's how you feel like all of a sudden you own. You got skin in the game. You know, when when we would lose as a team and I didn't, I'd not been in the game yet, did I feel a responsibility? No. But as soon as I got in the game and if we won or lost, I felt part of that. And that's what serving does and serving is designed for those that are interested in more information about volunteering on Sunday or being a part of what we call our expressions of grace in our neighborhood. How do we go out and be grace in our neighborhood? How do we serve people no strings attached? And I want to ask you to think about for you, where is it that God's gifted you specifically? What's a what's a gift that God's given you that you can use to go out and make an impact in this neighborhood and in this city? Maybe He's given you a passion to, to work with those in need, in a physical need. Maybe He's given you a gift of, of counseling and, and talking to people and, and just being there and walking through life with people. Maybe He's given you a heart for a specific international group. Maybe He's given you a passion to, uh, to do things around the world that, to meet needs around. I don't know what it is. But here's what I know. Whatever God's given you, I want to challenge you to lead our church out in doing that. 
If God's given you a passion to help meet the needs of the homeless in this city, help us as a church do that. You can take that idea and equip us and help us be a church that does what God has equipped and gifted you to do. That's what serving is. It's Even though you may be wearing the uniform and you're there, it's actually getting off that bench and getting on the field. The last thing, the last word that I want us to capture is this idea that as a church we need to be a place where people grow. This is where we grow. And this is not numerical growth. It's not you know, filling up this room. I'd love to see this room full. That's not our goal. Our goal is not counting the number of people that are sitting in this room. Our goal is counting the people's lives that are being impacted by Christ, that are serving and growing in Christ. And more people will come as God wants them to. But what I mean by grow is that is that we are taking the next step in our faith. Uh, There's a term out there that I think people use regularly that isn't quite uh, the right term. And it's like, you know, one day I want to be a mature Christian. Can I tell you the only Christian that's mature? Someone that's dead. (laughs) Because mature means that they've stopped growing, right? Like, I I have matured physically. I'm, I'm not growing anymore. I'm now slowly dying, you know? Like, at some point, you, like I used to be about an inch taller. And, like, all of a sudden, I'm shorter. I don't have the hair that I used to have. I mean, all these things I used to have aren't there anymore. Like, I'm, I don't feel like I'm on the downward side, but I look back at some pictures like, wow, I'm, I'm not quite as fit or as healthy as I was at that point. And so, that when we talk about maturing Christians, it means at some point we've stopped growing. I want us to be maturing Christians, is that we are stepping forward. We are growing. And this is designed for those that are looking for information about applying biblical truths in their lives through personal and group Bible study. And so one of the traps of a church is that we come and we think, okay, I'm going to get my spiritual dose for today. I'm going to come and be fed by whoever's speaking this morning, and that will be my interaction with God this week, and it'll hold me over to next week, and then I'll come and get some more, and then I'll come, you know, go, and then I'll come and get some more. And we get dependent on somebody else for our growth. So like, oh, okay, I'm going to wait till next week's sermon, and then I'll see what I can do from there. And you think about, what if we, what if we live the rest of our lives that way? What if you were still dependent in here on, on everything from your parents. Like, it, you know, you didn't go grocery shopping by yourself. Like, you called, you started to call your mom up and, Mom, the, the fridge is empty. Can you head out and get some... Like, at some point, what's your mom and dad going to say? Go. You know, I mean, like, we do that. We still do that for our kids. But I, I treat PJ very differently now as an 18-year-old than I did as an 18-month-old. Right? And so we are maturing. He is maturing. And we do that spiritually as well. We have to learn how to engage with other people and allow spiritual truth to be taken in that way. How to study the Word of God for ourselves and do that. How to, how to learn to pray. How to learn to, to fast and all these different spiritual disciplines that God's given us that we can use to, to grow and connect. I don't want us to be a place that dependent upon one person for us to grow as a church. I want us to be a place that's actively growing and maturing. And we want to create environments for that. So those are our four words. That's what we're about. We want to be a place where people can ask questions. We want to be a place where people can join their lives with other people. We want to be a place where people can serve and use their gifts and get in the game. 
We want to be a place where people can grow and develop in their faith and give them the tools for that. We're, we're not a complicated church. We don't have 20 strategies that we're embracing. We, we want to, people to ask, to join, to serve, and to grow. And you're going to hear me use these words, and if you've been around, you've heard me use some of these words regularly. We're going to start probably in June a, a new thing called a, a monthly Quick Connect, with, which is right after church. Uh, we're going to offer for people that are maybe new to church, or maybe you're ready to, you haven't been serving, and you're ready to step into serving. Are you ready? You're like, man, I, I haven't really been doing any kind of growth stuff. I want to understand how to, to grow. And so once a month, we're just going to have a quick 10-minute meeting after church if you're ready to take whatever the next step may be. Maybe it's to ask. Maybe it's to join. Maybe it's to grow. And maybe it's to serve. And so it's, it's not just for new people. It's certainly for people that are like, I want to learn more about the church. But it's also for whenever you are ready to take that next step in getting involved in that cycle. And I want you to understand, there's no, there's no order to that. You don't have to ask first, and then join, and then serve, and then grow. You, you can start serving tomorrow. You begin growing today. It's, there's not this linear cycle to it. So my question for you today is this, is where do you need to connect you need to start asking questions. Are there questions that you've just been holding back and you're like, oh, maybe I can't ask those. You can ask them here. Maybe you've been holding back a little bit on connecting your life with other people and it's just been enough to come on Sunday morning and be connected a little bit and you're ready to say, you know what? I really need to begin connecting my life with other people. I need to start pursuing some relationships, going out to coffee with people, going to grab brunch after church and being proactive in doing that. We have lots of people in this church that like to eat. They'll be happy to go to, to brunch with you after church. And maybe you need to say, I need to start serving. I need to get off the bench and just start doing something. And you can learn about that. Or maybe you say, you know, the only time I've been growing is sitting in here and I need to step up and learn about other growth opportunities. What's the next connection point for you? I want to ask us to uh, bow our head and close our eyes. Well, I'm sorry, before we do that, I meant to read the passage that we were going to close with, which is uh, the Ephesians 4 passage, because I think this passage encapsulates what the church is really about. And it says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's church. That's the ability to ask and join and serve and grow. It is that we are becoming one. That's what the church is. One body. It's not a lot of separate. It doesn't mean you have to lose your identity and become like everybody else. It just means that we're all in this together. Let's bow our head and close our eyes.